If you or someone you know is looking for reliable legal assistance in the Caribbean, look no further than Caribbean Legal Solutions, your ultimate connection to trustworthy attorneys across the Caribbean. So whether you're a Caribbean residing in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., or anywhere else in the world, they connect you with reliable attorneys based in your home country. Their extensive vetting process and network ensure a peace of mind and accountability. Need help with land ownership, estate matters, or maybe even a local referral here in the U.S.? Their team bridges the gap, reducing your workload and providing you with vetted attorneys for virtually any legal matter. Caribbean Legal Solutions is your reliable partner for legal needs, both local and abroad. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com or call them today. This podcast ad contains general information about Caribbean Legal Solutions and it's not intended as legal advice. Always consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation. You're listening to the Carry On Friends podcast, episode 68. Welcome to the Carry On Friends podcast, where you'll be inspired and empowered to do amazing things in your personal lives, career, business, and community with your host, Carrie Ann Reed Brown. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. I'm so excited that you are joining us. So uh, this episode is with um, Tasha Morris, who is the co-founder of Benchmark Creative Group. And her topic continues what we've been discussing for the last couple of weeks on um launching your business and her business is a service-based business. So she's going to talk about how she successfully launched and is and runs her service-based business with a co-founder, which is always, you know, another dynamic or another element to, you know, running a business. So I won't keep you waiting any longer. Here is my interview with Tasha. Hello, Tasha. Welcome to the Carry On Friends podcast. I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on the show too, Carrie Ann. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. So... Why don't you tell the community of friends a little bit more about you? Sure. Um, my name is Tasha. I was um, born in Brooklyn, and but my family is from Panama. Um, and my grandparents and great-grandparents are from Jamaica and Barbados. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got a little island and Latin flavor going on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Panama is good for that. Um, so you are a really good mix of you know, the, the Caribbean roots, but a lot of people don't know, you know, that additional history. So just, just a brief little history lesson before we go into the topic of the show, like about Panama, cause there's a lot of people with Caribbean roots there. Yes. You're absolutely right. So most of the Caribbean people from um, Panama came from Jamaica and Barbados. They migrated over um, in the early 1900s when Panama was building the canal. So, you know, Caribbean people, they love to work. They have multiple jobs. So a lot came, a lot of them came over and never went back to the islands. They stayed there and built a family. All right. All right. So that is awesome. So Caribbean people are everywhere and there's the Caribbean side of Panama and, you know, you're representing the whole flavor. So tell us a little bit more about what you do, your business, and we'll get into the topic of the show. Sure. 
So um, I've been in business about three years and my company is called Benchmark Creative Group. It's a digital marketing agency where we um, curate events for our clients as well as help them with their strategy online and offline. So curate events. Um, Tell me a little bit more about that. So when I say curate events, um, clients who are mainly online, we like to bring them in person with um, their audience. So, you know, actually see, touch, feel, interact with your audience in person. So we'll create an event, whether it's a book launch, um, a private screening of a film, something so that they are able to engage with a client, with their audience that they wouldn't normally get to do online. Awesome. So this service um, that you have, obviously it's going well. You've been in business for three years. So where did the idea come about to start this service? Hey, well, a friend of mine, a colleague, we went to uh, Temple University out there. Shout out to all the uh, Temple heads. Um, We went to uh, Temple. Uh, We were in the same school of communications and we, after school, we went to working in television, film, production, um, nonprofit, fundraising, et cetera, all along the lines of communication, social media, et cetera. And then a few years ago, when I came back from California, um, we, but throughout that time, we had kept in touch. When I came back, um, we were sitting there. She just graduated from NYU, hanging out in Starbucks, and we're like, you know, I just finished my master's and I'm like, yeah, I just came back into town and I'm not really interested in working for anyone else. We're like, you're right. Let's, let's do this together. We have years of experience. We know what we want to do. We are in the field. Why not do it for ourselves? And we saw a lot of people who, a lot of small businesses, entrepreneurs who needed this attention, who can't, you know, go to the big agencies or just need the right direction to get their voices heard. So we figured, Let's let's go into business for ourselves. Awesome. All right. So let's take a step back and talk about, you know, you 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 had the skill set and you had a, a, a colleague and friend that you decide to partner up. But how did you know this was a good service to offer? I mean, sometimes there is a need, but some people aren't ready to purchase it yet. I, I mean, how did you validate it? That is absolutely correct. You there there is a need. Um, we knew there was a need because people were asking us for advice, right? Now, then how do you validate it? Are people willing to pay for that service? And if not, what is it that you can give them that they're willing to pay for? So as I mentioned in the beginning, people were asking us for advice and, and then also people encouraged, okay, so we freelanced for a bit before we actually started the full-on company, you know, put feelers out there, tried to figure out who would then be our ideal client? Mm-hmm. You know, yes, friends and family will love to support you, but it's now time to, you know, take that next step. How do I get an actual paying client? You know, not just a friend who's just, you know, I'm doing a favor for someone who's going to really take this seriously that is going to pay me and expecting results like right away. That's when the real pressure comes on. <laughs> so uh, what you can do is, you know, test it out, whether it's um, giving your services for maybe a month for free, uh, if it's um, creating the persona, who is your ideal client, Mm -hmm. and then reaching out to them and seeing, you know, cold calling. That's one way to do it, to figure out if 
people are interested, really interested in what you're um, providing. All right. So you're so before you launched a, the full on benchmark creative group, you you started out freelancing because that was your way of testing whether this was something that, you know, people really wanted. So you said the first thing to do you did was to freelance a bit before launching the full business as a way of testing, you know, the service. And you said that if people don't want to pay, then you figure out what can you give people that they're willing to pay for. So did you start out offering the events curation, events management? Was that kind of the service you ended up with after freelancing a bit and trying to figure out which service people would pay for? Yeah, actually, our first client was an event. We did a um, a holiday party for a client or a minority organization. So they needed um, something different. They the number the members were um, declining. People weren't as engaged as before. So we created an event for their holiday party, and everyone loves a good holiday party. Mm-hmm. But you know what makes it different? What makes it stand out? And after their holiday party, they said that you know, membership increased. Um, so we count that as being successful, mm-hmm. but we realize also that events are fun. Um, but people aren't doing them as often hmm. so to find something else, another way to engage with people's audiences. So that's where the social media came in. So we started providing social media services as well. This is awesome. You, you, you got your first client, you counted that as successful. How, how did you know what your target audience, your target or ideal audience was for this particular service? Let's take a quick break. Want to include your property in Jamaica in your U.S. will? Need to close the bank account you opened back home all those years ago? Skip the guesswork and let the Caribbean Legal Solutions team of experienced professionals take care of your legal needs. With Caribbean Legal Solutions, you get the peace of mind that only vetted and accountable legal experts can offer. Learning that you have a legal issue abroad can be stressful. Finding an attorney to help shouldn't be. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com or call them today to find the dependable legal support you need. This podcast ad contains general information about Caribbean legal solutions and is not intended as legal advice. Always consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation. That took some time. Um, So the first client was a referral. Thank God. Um, (laughs) Referrals are good. Yes. uh, um, A friend from school who, uh, knew that we were doing, taking this step and, you know, took a chance on us and it worked out also in his favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did we know, wait, repeat the question again. How did you determine your right target audience or yeah. your ideal client? Okay. In the beginning, that took some time. So we definitely went many routes or had different, I should say different clients. So we worked in hospitality, we did fashion we realized those are not our favorite clients. Mm. <laughs> yes. Um, it took us some time to realize who has the money and who you think your audience is may not necessarily be your audience or your ideal client. Mm. You know, so um, we took what was coming towards us at the beginning. And then after a while, we had to be more selective because if you're 
more frustrated than you are um, <laughs> making money, then it's no point in you working with that particular client. You're wasting time. What you just said, who you think your audience is, is not necessarily your ideal client. Yeah. That is the billion dollar statement right there. It is, it is so crucial. And I think this is why maybe a lot of people have issues with creating a service business because your, your audience is X and it doesn't mean that your audience is your ideal client. So what were some of the things you, you, you did to get to this point where you realized that, you know, your audience may not be your ideal client and what advice can you give to people who are having a similar challenge? I would say, uh, definitely take a step back, mm -hmm. you know, um, don't continue to work with those people or those that client, you know, those audiences, you're still still remaining true to who you are and what your business is, but just finding a different way to provide that service. Mm -hmm. Immediately stop working with those people, finish out the contract, I would say, but don't, you know, incur or bring in more people, more clients like that. Mm -hmm. um, this may take a little bit more research in deciding, you know, who it is that you really want to go after. Create that persona. What does that look like? Um, do they make this amount of money? Do they live in this certain area, et cetera, et cetera? And then target, make a, you know, a, a focus, a targeted um, campaign towards those people, whether it's cold calling, whether it's going on LinkedIn and trying to find out who one of your connected colleagues knows that person or that company and reach out to them. Mm. Um, that's how we get most of our panelists for our events. When we do our workshops and our panels, mm -hmm. it's a lot of LinkedIn research um, and then talking to colleagues, you know, um, seeing who they who they know and how we can get connected with them. Right. Right. All right. So for and, and this is really good timing because this is piggybacking of a recent episode or series we did with Jesse Owens, who's a product manager. And you basically just said that, um, just a quick recap, you, you had these skills, you partnered with someone else to create the services, but before you launched a full launch business, you, you started as a, you started off freelancing to kind of test the different ideas. And then you went through and you validated your ideal audience or your target audience because you started out with one group of people thinking that they were your ideal, but they were not. And so you refined over time and the refining process does take time and research because part of it is what I'm hearing from you is like you almost kind of have to work with that client before you realize that mm, this is probably not the client we want and then creating you know, after you've gone through, you know, working with several clients, you can really create or adjust your client persona um, because now you have a more targeted approach for um, who are the people you're going after for the services. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So you've been doing this for three years successfully and you know, one of the, the big sticking points, especially business women, is um, the pricing structure. Like how how long does it I mean, there's there's not one person or woman that I've had a conversation is when it comes to business and 
determining pricing was just one of those tricky things like, eh, I'm not sure. So what kind of systems did you and your partner put in place to kind of develop a pricing structure, especially when you're new and fresh out the gate launching a service? Oh my gosh. You're, we're still going through stuff like that. It is hard, you know, um, especially in the beginning when you're new, are you charging the right rate? Is this the freelancer's rate? You know, is this comparable to other agencies? That's a little research that you have to do. And then two, you know, knowing your worth. Um, you have these amount of experiences. This is what you should be charging either per hour, per service. It was hard. Um, I know that, especially being a woman, uh, people, or I should say clients, when they meet with you, they'll try to lowball you. Mm-hmm. You should stick to your guns. Right. This is what I'm worth, and this is how much it's going to cost. You you don't want to pay it, then we shouldn't be working together. Right. It weeds out the wrong client. Right. You know, because the people that want that the want to spend less usually are the most headache in our experience. They get the most problems. I'm like, you don't really want our service. You want it for free, and you can't have it for free. I suggest you work with someone else. Right. Right. And that's a tough place to be in um, because it's almost like you're starting out. You want the revenue, you want the business, but it's like, you know, it's sometimes it's easier said than done, but you're right. I had a situation where I, the, the contract wasn't even signed yet. And I was just like, you know what, let's just forget this because if the contract process reviewing and signing the contract process was stressful, then that means that, you know what, the rest of the, 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 the business relationship is just going to be as stressful. So there are some signs, but it, it it takes courage and strength to do that because it's really easy to say, but I want this client and I want my business to succeed. Um, but sometimes we just have to. So before you got to your pricing and you're still going through that process is it's refining it. You know, that's what I heard. It's, you know, and I think that's important because sometimes we feel like, okay, this is our price and you know, this is a price that people should get, but it's, it just like validating the service. You got to test the pricing, um, maybe get a couple clients under the belt first and then, you know, adjust, but it's always, it's not static. It's refining. So I think that was important for you to share with us that you're still going through that process and it's refined. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure it also depends on the packages or the services people want. Absolutely. We do a la carte, we do packages and we definitely did that for the first year. You know, we kept our rates, um, at one particular price and then the second year we raised it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think all companies do it, Mm -hmm. but when you're a small business, people are shocked. It's still a business, whether it's small, medium or big, you know, um, your services, whether it's cell phone, telephone, um, I mean like cable, Wi-Fi, everything goes up. Mm Mm-hmm. Movie tickets prices go up, but mm-hmm. that's just cost of living. Right. Now my service is supposed to stay the same each year. Absolutely not. Right. Right. And I mean, the reality is when you work with a large company, they're, they're changing their prices all the time. Um, yeah. And you just have to accept the price, the price change. So for small business, I guess it's this, this concept that you can nickel and dime or oh. this, 
yeah, this 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 perception. Oh, it's just the two of them, or it's just them. You know why they're raising the service, but there is. Um, I'm sure you have. You know, every business, whether it's a one person, two person, five, ten, fifteen, 20, they all have overhead. Um, yes. that you have to take care of. So, um, that's a good point. You know, um, serve prices aren't static. You have different pricing options, and review your pricing and update them every year and you know i'm sure you're not saying raising like a hundred percent but you you have to account for the cost of living changes so let's take a step back right so you said um when you started out you freelanced first right but what's like a soft launch like when so so when you you freelance and then you decided to have your business what was the soft launch of your your business or the the services that you were offering okay. did you do that or did kind you do- okay we we did we didn't like make a big announcement or throw a party and say hey we started benchmark creative group it was more like okay this event went well we just did that for our friend he liked it let's see what else we can do so we were still operating as the business Mm-hmm. but didn't make a big announcement to the world. So it was mainly like colleagues who were in the industry who would refer us. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, okay, we made our year mark. This is, this is for real. We're doing this full on. No more part-time jobs, nothing else. Let's, let's let people know. And that way, now you have, you created an ecosystem, this, you know, a support system for you to grow, mm-hmm. you know, and if they're growing with you, they're seeing your ups and downs they'll be more likely to support you um, than you not sharing that information. Um, yeah, because I was kind of nervous about that in the beginning. And then and now people are like, wait, I didn't know you've been. To- Why didn't you say anything? So definitely let your um, community know. Even though you did a soft launch, which is like it, it wasn't something splashy. People did know you were in business. You said something. Were you working part time jobs outside of Benchmark Creative Group? Um as you were launch, uh, testing this out or the services out is or so when we're first testing it out. Yes, okay. I did. Yes, absolutely. Cause I mean, it is a big risk and we finally took the big leap, mm-hmm. you know, but in the meantime, you know, it's, I definitely suggest to all entrepreneurs to uh, save, have some money stockpiled for the slow months um, when you have to turn clients away because it's not worth your time or the money. When you're, you know, you're comfortable in saying no and you know your worth and then having money for, um, like I said, the, the slow times when it can be a feast or famine when you're in business. So always be prepared. Right, right. So saving, saving is like a big deal. I know you can't tell us a number to put on that, but what was, what's your recommendation in terms of you know, maybe and suggested amount to save or put aside or, you know, how long did you work the part time before you decided to go full time? You said a year? Yeah. Okay. So um, basically, you and your partner determined whether, you know, at some point you made a decision as to when you think that you are ready. And and I think that's twofold. That's part of how much traction you're getting from the business and maybe how much money you're saved. They kind of converge at some point. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about the partnership aspect of it. 
<laughs> you decided to 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 you decided with a friend like let's do this um so we'll talk about that and then we'll talk about those who are in that fortunate to have a partner so that is a show unto itself <laughs> <laughs> so i i'm i'm sure so i'm gonna ask you a question you recommend partnerships or no for me it worked right i say yes but for some people, some people work better alone. And mm-hmm. kudos to you guys, because I don't know how you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You need to have a couple of assistants, interns, freelancers on your team, people working part time for you to to make it that far. You know, and um, I don't think I would be as far as I am um, without my business partner. Awesome. So and- for me, it's it's mandatory. Yeah. Yeah, for for this type of business, I guess you you have. So, what are what is your main focus as opposed to your partners? Are you both in the same skill set, or is there, you know, she's you know she's better? And I I'm saying she because I know it's a she. Um, she's better <laughs> at one particular area versus you are better at something else. Is that generally um, how it works with within your um, company? Yes. So she's big picture. I'm little detail. <laughs> so we are complete opposites and it works that, and, and that's what makes us work. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm like her big picture. I could do the details, but I'm just like, I'll get lost in the details. Like I'll yes. be so detailed that I'm like, wait a minute, how did I get this detail? And I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> dig myself out of this rabbit hole of details. So, yeah. um, but, but, but that's very good. So in terms of, where we are because you've developed your business you you identified a partnership and you knew the partnership was going to work because if you didn't have the partnership you needed um a a larger support team and eventually a larger overhead cost um associated with that let's talk about like once you've been in business how has it been because it's been three years and three years you know may not seem like a long time but it's a long time as um a true small business to, to, to succeed. How, what is that one thing that you feel like um, is the one thing that you guys have kept in mind as you grow or as you, you continue to be in business as long as you have been? What is that one thing? Um, hmm. We are, I would say um, focused I think that each year a new project is bigger than the one before. So it leads us to believe that we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we can't stop. We have to keep going. So I think that's what it is where I would say my um, business partner is very hopeful, very optimistic. And so that helps us continue to grow and move forward. I think as we grow where or being in the third year, we're like, well, we can't back down. So there, there has to, it's a, it's a determination right. for, um, to keep going and hopefully uh, build a legacy. Yeah. So you've officially launched a business for three years. Is, does that include the times when you were guys were freelancing? Yeah. So actually this summer would mm-hmm. be, uh, officially three years. Awesome. So, like it's August, September, we put in the paperwork, you know, for the LLC. And um, 
prior to that year, like prior, like a couple months before, you know, we had, like I said, been meeting, she was in school. So we were doing stuff part-time and freelancing and talking um, about this project before we decided to uh, make it happen. Make it full time. So congratulations on the three years. Seriously, it is, um, it is a feat and it's something that, you know, if anything else, you, you, you want to celebrate that we've been doing this for, a year, another year goes by. It's it's celebrating the small, you know. It's you yeah. know we all want the big things, but just the small thing. Like we we another year and we did it, you know. Yeah, yes, yes. So you talked about when you first started, you did a soft launch. You didn't advertise it to anyone. So how are you marketing? you know, services and, and what do you have to say to, you know, people who are looking to launch service businesses, marketing yourself and your services? How do you do that? And what's, what are some of the best ways to do that? Like you said, it's, it's marketing yourself. Since you're the one that's providing the services, it's Mm -hmm. you that you have to sell. Clients believe in you and they, they're believing that you are the one that's doing the work. So you need to be out there talking, constantly talking about your business. As I mentioned before, we didn't really um, talk about it or advertise it. So now um, that's one of the big changes that we made over the three years. Mm -hmm. You know, we're doing more speaking engagements. We are um, interviews. We are being at more um, business expos, having tables, vending, so that people are aware of the services that we provide. That is awesome. I think one of the challenges that I faced and there's some continuance again is so not every, not it's a generalization, but not every woman has this or deals with this. But one, the first one we talked about was around pricing and money and two, really marketing ourselves in a way that, you know, we are, even though we're running a company, we are the brand and, you know, just like you said, stepping out and being the face of the company um, versus hiding behind, you know, benchmark creative group versus stepping out to say, you know, I'm Tasha Morris and I am the co-founder of benchmark creative group. So were you guys always, so you said you're now doing that more. What was the, the, the switch where you realize that this is something that you have to do more because you didn't start out that way? No, absolutely not. We were, I'll be honest with you. We were very concerned about our image being um, women and young women of color, we we have baby faces, I would say. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people uh, look at us like, oh, these young girls, you know, will actually even refer to us as girls and not women. So we definitely didn't want that to be a stigma or um, be a reason for people not to work with us. So we we like made a conscious effort not to be the face of our company. We would not put our face on our website, like nothing. Mm-hmm. We, <laughs> we definitely made an effort to stay away from that. And then as time went on, we realized maybe this, we actually, we talked to someone, we went to um, a panel and this woman was like, no, that's an asset. Mm-hmm. Definitely look at that as a negative. It is an asset. Um, so we made the change. And uh, we see it's um, it has been working, not that we still haven't been giving um, or excuse me, we haven't been getting um, getting a hard time from certain clients, male, um, when <laughs> talking about pricing and proposals. But 
we, you know, we're standing firm in our culture, our background, us being Lord looking young is going to add value. Right. Right. I think that is something that a lot of women identify with. It's like, you know, youth inexperience or, you know, not being able, you know, the perception that, oh, you know, they could over negotiate or they could, you know, under negotiate, whichever one, um, you know, those are some challenges. I remember when I start, first started carrying on friends, there was no pictures of me anywhere, like <laughs> nowhere. Like you heard the voice, you had no idea who's this person associated with the brand. And I started to make those changes, you know, over time, not overnight, like, aha, here I am. But, you know, it was a <laughs> gradual change because you spend so much time kind of hiding and it was just like, okay, you had to gradually, you know, step to the front. Um, but, you know, for, for, for every, based on what you're saying, for anyone who might think it's a negative, it's, it's an asset for someone else or it's, it's a yeah. plus for someone yeah. else. And, um, that's important to know because we can't get away from people who might have a negative reaction to us, whatever way. And, you know, it, it comes with the territory, I guess. Yep. So, so, all right. So being visible as the face of the company. All right. So let's, let's talk about growing and maintaining the business because it's one thing to start it, but growing and maintaining, um, have you kept the same set of clients over the three years? How do you have a healthy mix of clients, you know, to make sure you, you're not too much, you know? So I, I think in the beginning, your first client was a nonprofit or um, the first event you did. So how do you make sure that you don't have too many nonprofit clients versus, you know, some other types of clients? And how important is that? Well, I, I prefer diversity because it makes it um, less boring. Mm -hmm. I like the different types of projects, um, like to work on different types of projects, I would say. Um, we, as, as I mentioned, we were still feeling things out and shifted to hospitality clients, mm. right? Because of a colleague that we were working with, they dealt with events in hospitality. So they would refer a lot of their hospitality clients to us. And we realized that wasn't for us. We've only kept one from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, one of those hospitality clients, the rest, we have like severed ties with them and as well as um, other um, industries. We are open to like tech and entrepreneurs themselves who want to, currently we're working with an influencer who wants to, to broaden, you know, their audience, their reach, um, their, um, their voice. Because a lot of influencers can get block, boxed in. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, we have found ways to get new clients. And that, again, that was pretty much um, trial and error. And, once, and also getting ourselves out there. Like I said, we weren't talking about ourselves as much. And once we started doing that, people became to put a face to a name. And people really buy into you, the person, yeah. and want to work with you. So that's how we started getting different types of clients as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maintaining. Uh, it's been interesting um, in maintaining, you know, we um, it's then it comes into a customer service type of thing. Checking in with your client constantly or periodically, I should say, um, you know, their birthday, um, holidays, 
things like that. Um, especially if they're not social media savvy and that's the service we're providing for them, you know, just checking in on them because they're just like, Oh, it's doing its own thing kind of, but they're still staying in that payment. So you want to show them that kind of respect so that they are still wanting to be a part of the, um, still want to be a client of yours. And then just maintaining mentally, I would say is a struggle sometimes. Um, my parents, as many of you guys know, with Caribbean parents, they prefer you to have, um, let's see, a regular job yes. with sanitation, a teacher, police, something that is tangible that they can see, mm-hmm. really see, or my parents are not tech savvy, so they don't understand what I'm doing. No clue. Every mm. day they wake up like, one day she's going to get a real job. Mm. <laughs> It's going to happen. Yes. For them, it's like, mm, this no makes sense. I don't it see how it make money. So <laughs> it not real. It not real. There's no real office. Who's giving them a check? It's, yes. No, it don't yes. count. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. So wait. So w- hold on. Um, so you don't get no pension. Um, no, like all the things that, that in their mind is standard and it's not theirs. Like, no, this no real. Mm-hmm. This is not happening. So, yeah, we, a lot of the guests can 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 really, you know, relate to that. And it's going to take, you know, maybe maybe not that generation. It's going to take another generation to kind of say, all right, this is kind of the way of life. Um, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, you, you know, you just have to love the culture. And, and, and I think it's like most immigrant parents are kind of like that. It's just like... Yeah. What? Wait, wait, you don't have a job where you go into an office and sit down and somebody pay you and come back? Like, yes. that's not a real job. Nope. But um, it, 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 it's also, you know, that work ethic that they've given us that allows us to kind of be in this space and thrive um, the way that you are thriving. So, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely a blessing in some sense. But when they start getting on your case, boy, mm. <laughs> You need all the strength. Yes. Say yes. All right, mommy. Okay. (laughs) No matter how old you are, you got to just sit down and just love it. I'm an adult. Yes. So true. (laughs) Yeah. Sit down like, okay. All right. I love you too, mommy. Love you too. Yeah, that's all you can say. That's all you can say. Love you too. All right. So you talked about being more visible. You, we, we talked about client diversification, which is important because you want to have a good mix of clients because it definitely keeps the projects interesting and you don't want to have like a concentration of too much of one client because then you, you, you get stuck pretty much, you get typecast, you know, you know, you get stuck in one little thing. And, um, if you're working in different industries, industries, as we know, Different industries go through different things at different periods of time. So if all your clients are concentrated in one industry and something happens in that industry, that's going to affect your ability to generate revenue. It could work in the positive, but it also works in the negative. Um, So if that industry is going really well, then things go really well for you. If it's not going well, then it's not going well for you. So a good mix. Um, 
we talked about pricing and you how you have to kind of review your pricing. You spoke about, you know, having different types of pricing, a la carte or packages, and it varies for different clients because no two clients have the same needs. Exactly. And so you you talked about that. So let's go back to the marketing aspect of it. So now you've worked on becoming more visible, the face of the company. How do you do, you know, like, and you talked about, marketing but let's talk about the pr aspect you're doing more um speaking engagements you're vending you are doing panels how do service providers get to that point of you know being more visible what can they do to start being you know really a thought leader in the space of the services that they're providing good question i would suggest um speaking out more on it. So before you can actually speak in front of an audience, you already have an audience. The people that are following you, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Twitter, I would suggest you join a Twitter chat. Whenever your industry is talking about that uh, particular topic, you need to join in. Mm -hmm. If it's LinkedIn, then, you know, write about it. Write a write an article or um, just comment on some an article that you may have read and share it with people on LinkedIn so that people know that you're constantly um, on top or you're on top of things that are happening in the industry that, hey, they didn't hear it from anyone else, but they heard it from you first. So you're you're on top of you're ahead of trends, right. you know, Um so that's one way I would say, because then if you're constantly doing that, you're on people's minds. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're doing it every once in a while, then people forget about you. Right. Right. So it's like, oh, OK, you're looking for someone. I just saw such and such posted about that. Right. I think it'd be great for your panel. Yes. And that's things usually happen. Visibility. Right. Yes, that's that's good to know. So you have a partner and I'm sure you know, you guys have a team or a team of whether if it's not, even if it's not full time, you work with, you know, you, you contract out certain things because I'm sure there's a lot of work to do. How do you go about building your team? Because like you said, whether you have a partner, whether it's you alone, there's, there's more than enough work that you can't just do it alone. There has to be other people to support you. So how do you go about building a team of the right contractors or other freelancers to, to help you grow your business? Vet. <laughs> it, you have to vet people out. Even if they are referred to you by a friend, you have to vet them. You know, it's not like it's a big company that you can hide behind. It is you mm-hmm. that they're representing. So if they go out there or if they're writing something or posting something, people don't think about the intern or the freelancer, they're looking for you who hire the client or you, the face of the company as to why did you post that? Or that didn't make any sense, Mm -hmm. you know? So I would say vet, and then I'm not saying micromanage, but definitely um, review work. You know, we, whether it's interns, freelancers, contractors, we review um, their drafts before it's posted or we review their blogs or we have um, biweekly um, meetings where we're talking about what's coming up next in the company so that they feel invested as well. Mm-hmm. Not that they're just in this one particular silo. 
No, it's an actual company, not just you and I. It's an actual company that you are a part of a team and we want to feel, want you to feel included. So we definitely um, bring, whether it's the freelancers or interns together, maybe for a brunch so that everyone kind of knows each other. So when you're working virtually, you feel like you're in this bubble. Right. And, you know, no one's watching. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so, um, you know, we do that weekly, that biweekly check-in. We'll get the group together for um, brunch or lunch or something like that. Um, and every once in a while, you know, do a little incentive, um, incentivizations for our, our team because you want them to grow. Mm-hmm. But you also want them to be loyal. Right. So we're, Constantly investing in them. Hey, here's an article that you should read about Instagram. Oh, did you check this out? Like where we invest in them because we want them to be better at what they do. Right, right. That is really important to nurture and grow the team. And like you said, incentivize them because, you know, especially in a virtual work environment, it's very easy to feel like you're out on a, alone on an island and not part of a team. So I think those are really, really great strategies to to have. So as we wrap up, and I really, really want to thank you for sharing how you've launched a very successful business. Um, I met you, as you know, from Caribbeans in Tech and, yeah. and your partner, and I was doing a demo of, yeah. of Carry On Friends and what we do. And so as we wrap up, what's one important takeaway you'd like the community um, of those who are thinking of launching a service business, what's what's one advice that you would like people to to walk away with? Just one. Wow. Uh, hey, <laughs> with, one or two. You know, with your top two or top three. Let's do top three. All right. All right. Um, one, take the risk and believe in yourself. Mm. Whether it's your pricing, whether it's the service you provide, t- just just take that step of faith and believe in yourself. You know, stick to your guns with that. Um, two, plan. Be very strategic about the things that you do. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the clients that you work with, your um, appearances that you make, the the vending to get your word out there when you're marketing yourselves. Be very strategic about it all. Three is um and look i asked for three and now i can't (laughs) (laughs) no but those two are good because trust me i'm sometimes i i think i come off very picky and i'm like no i don't want to do that that's 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 mm -mm." but it's important because you're 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 you have to be strategic and you are you know you are What's the word I'm looking for? Maintaining or you you are nurturing a brand and, you know, you have to kind of really be strategic and very specific as to to what you um, you do. But you can only do that if you have a plan of where you want to go or what you're looking to do. So that's that's key. Um, I have one more. Yes. Be able to work with others. I know people think that partnerships are like insane. Why would I want to work with someone else? Blah, blah, blah. But I totally agree in collaboration. I believe that's really how we've grown thus far Yeah. by working with other um, companies, partnering them, even if they're similar to ours, still partnering with them, yeah. um, 
you're, you're learning from their mistakes and you're learning from their um, success by partnering with them. It's, it's better that way than, than looking at the other person as competition. competition yeah. It, it, it takes a long time to get to that point, but you know, I've seen it, I've seen it and I can say it works. It works yeah. when you, you partner, you, you might be in the same space, but you do different things and right. you do it differently and you have your own set of strengths and it's kind of saying, okay, we're working together and we focus on our strengths. So I agree with that. I, I love that top three. I really do. I think those are, there's, there could be, we, we could always list out a whole bunch, but I think those, oh, yeah. those are key, especially that third one that because in a world of social media, when everyone is this, every, every, every post is like, oh my God, I'm not doing that. You know, that third one being able to work with people is, is, is important. Even if they're in the same space, it's, yes. it's, it's key. So you said a lot of things that resonated with me personally and stuff that I've gone through. So, you know, I, I feel good to know that I'm not the only one going through this. And it's also important for anyone listening that if you're going through something in your service business or you've gone through something, it's you're not the only one. Chances are someone has gone through it. Someone else will go through it. And part of having these conversations is to kind of support each other as we grow to yeah. to have successful you know businesses and so uh thank tasha for being on the show i'll put all the information as to how to follow tasha and get to know about more about the benchmark creative group and um tasha thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge and we wish you continued success in your company and um as i like to say at the end of every show walk good Thanks, Carrie Ann. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. For a recap of this episode and other great articles, please visit the blog at www.carryonfriends.com. That's C A R R Y O N F R I E N D S.com. Thank you for tuning in to Carry On Friends. Before I go, remember, Caribbean Legal Solutions connects you with experienced and vetted attorneys across the Caribbean, ensuring that you or your family or friend find reliable help back home to deal with land issues, wills, and probate matters. Their network spans Jamaica, Trinidad, Guyana, Grenada, Dominica, Barbados, St. Vincent, and more. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com and give them a call today. This ad contains general information about Caribbean Legal Solutions and is not intended to be legal advice. As always, consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation.